And if you're not open to, and this is something I think most strategic planning fails when you don't learn from what's not working. And you just go, I made a plan. I got to stick to the plan. I got to go with the plan. But it's like you're, you're ran into a wall. There's not a path there. And you just keep on walking that same thing because I made the plan as opposed for, to learning from your experience. Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at MikeBone, or on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Hey, I'd love for you to stop by DailyCreativeHabit.com. I've created several resources with you in mind as a creative person. First, there's a link to our free private Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It is filled with creatives of all types who have raised their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that's you, we would love to see you as part of this group. There's also a link to receive our free Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. This goes out twice a week and is filled with resources and inspiration and daily prompts for you as a creative person to make sure that you keep showing up every single day for your creativity. And lastly, there's a link out to the new Daily Creative Habit Guided Creativity Journal. And this is something that I'm really excited about because it's a 90-day journey that you can go on that guides you to plan and show up for your creativity and help you track and help you measure and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. This is available right now through Amazon.com. Hey, on today's podcast, I get to talk with my friend, John Losey, and he is a great creative thinker. He is somebody who's uh, very strategic in how he sets about doing what he does and helping others show up with some planning, some creativity, some innovation, and uh, a lot to do with uh, programming and, you know, really helping people get to that next level um, and with practical steps. So I'm really uh, pleased that I was able to have this conversation because we talk about you know, creativity and then also practicality and how so often these things seem like polar opposites. But really, when the practical side of things dictates the box, if you will, that we need to create within, those constraints can actually help us thrive creatively. Uh, it's not great when we have a sky's the limit type of creativity because often we find ourselves with too many options, too many choices, and nothing really guiding us. And then sometimes creativity that doesn't really amount to anything as far as action and delivery. So we talk through some of those things today as well as John has a new book that's coming out and uh, it's really exciting. It's about a raccoon. Uh, I'll leave it at that and then you'll have to listen to this episode further to hear about why he wrote this book. It's a fable, a business fable, and uh, what it might have to do with you when you discover what you're passionate about and how you want to go all in on that. So without further ado, here is my creative chat with John Lousy. Well, hey, John, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. It's so good to see you. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's wonderful to be here with you. I, I enjoy following your adventures on Facebook and seeing the amazing drawings that you do of not only the conferences, but the places and the things that inspire you. It's fun. 
Yeah, well, you know, we were saying before we recorded, sometimes it's a little bit like, where's Waldo? Uh, I, I turn up in the oddest places sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, one of the places that, that we actually met was at a conference. Uh, it was at an event, the Thing event. And uh, this is a couple of years back, uh, at least. And um, Yeah, it was uh, 2019, pre-pandemic, when yes. everybody was... Uh, free and easy with their travel and interactions. And it was a great to meet a brand new group of people that I'd never mixed with before. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember connecting there and just, uh, you know, talking about some things around creativity there and just enjoying hanging out together a little bit. And, um, yeah, it's, it does seem like ages ago, there was the definite mark of pandemic hit and pre and post pandemic world we, we live in now. It's kind of weird that way, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, why don't you, for the sake of the listeners today, let people know a little bit of like, who are you? What do you do? Okay. Well, great question. And I'm still figuring that out, uh, <laughs> both who I am and what I do. So I am, uh, <clears throat> my name is John Losey. I'm in, I live in Southern California with my wife and young son who's nine and several animals. And we're uh, figuring things out. What I, what I do is I guide individuals and groups, organizations to their next best step towards growth and sustainability. And that's something that I do as an individual. It's for myself, it's for my family, but it's also for my company and my business. That's kind of what I, my purpose, my why. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, yeah. But what I actually do for people is I, I, I design and deliver uh, experiences that help them take that next best step. And so it look, what it looks like is, um, is a, the company is called Into Wisdom Group, and it's a group because there's three main services. One is advising, facilitating. You could think of that as we can get into why I don't use the terms coaching and consulting as much anymore. Um, I also do uh, learning, and that's like publishing, creating learning uh, courses and books and things like that. And then I also do production. The reason why my voice sounds like it is I just got done uh, producing a hybrid conference that was just fabulous in Colorado. Three days of facilitators figuring out how to use, I mean, doing their best stuff, but it was in a hybrid situation where we're trying to level the playing field so that if you're in the room or you're virtual, it's as close to the same experience as possible. And they did a great job of just doing really inventive things. So those are the three parts of, of Into Wisdom. Nice, nice. I love how everything is very much about showing up and being your best self, best version, whether that's personally or professionally, um, and your, your, I guess you could say you have a bias towards growth, um, which I really appreciate. Yeah. We like to say <clears throat> like when, when the pandemic first hit and I'd had the advantage of being on zoom for a couple years before that. And then it was early in 2009 when, when I was working with a corporate university, we were experimenting with, all right, all the bean counters wanted, Hey, it's much less expensive. People, people don't have to travel. So they wanted all training to be virtual and the field wanted all training to be in person. And it was put on us to uh, the, the learning organization, the corporate university to figure it out. And what we figured out is there's some stuff that actually works better virtual and there's stuff that doesn't work at all virtually. And we started to play with all that. So when the pandemic hit, I'd had a decade uh, of experience mm -hmm. in that world. And it really it allowed me to shift over and we started talking about don't do what's been done think about what's possible and reach for that yeah. and you know people said oh zoom meetings suck well it's because your meetings before the pandemic sucked as well <laughs> yes. and you need to take a look at what you're trying to accomplish 
and then use all the tools that are available to you, whether it's in-person or virtual or hybrid, whatever it is. Think about what's possible. Like it's, it's in when I work with people around strategic planning, the first step is to picture and define success clearly before you start figuring out what you want to do, because otherwise you'll just keep repeating the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had this conversation the other day um, with someone and it was like, we were talking about all these different possibilities that would be, you know, if you put it into kind of like an if then type of equation, um, it's all the then stuff. It's all the deliverables. And we were saying how, you know, it's, it's so easy where if you haven't really defined the if really well, you haven't really defined like why you're doing what you're doing and the overall mission and the vision and all that, then you can get stuck in this loop of just making more and more deliverables of something that aren't really connected to anything larger and don't really go anywhere. And you don't know which of those things you should be creating because everything seems like a great idea. Everything seems like something you should act on and there's no alignment. Um, so I appreciate what you said there. And it's that gets into like, uh, I just asked the other day, how do you start a coaching conversation or a consulting conversation? And the first thing I ask is, do you have a clear purpose and mission? And I'm not talking about bumper stickers or things that you, you know, you put on your brochures or things like that. The purpose, and then you, you, I hadn't thought of it, but if then statements for me, it's more like uh, I come from a, a background of outdoor stuff and I'd lead backpacking trips and help with expeditions and things like that. And the first thing you ask yourself, so what's the point? Why are we doing this? Where do you want to end up with all this? And it's, you start with the finish line, start with the end in mind to borrow other people's phrases. But this idea that mission and, and purpose, purpose is that compelling thing that moves you forward. It's big and grandiose. So when I introduce myself, people ask you, what do you do? I always say my purpose statement for myself and my life and my organization is I guide individuals and organizations to their next best step towards growth and sustainability. That's big. And that's compelling to me, moves me in the future. Now, your mission, oftentimes people make their mission really flowery. But really, when you talk about a mission, it's what do you what do you get done? What needs to get done? Mm -hmm. And so the second half, my mission is I, I fulfill that purpose by designing and delivering experiences that lead people to the next step. So if if an organization or an individual doesn't have that for themselves, then they're just going to go all over the place. Right. And, and I think in terms of like creativity, oftentimes isn't guided. And that's great. That's fine. And you're just producing this great stuff that makes itself into the world. It shifts over to innovation when it has a specific outcome or target in mind, usually about something that serves the customer or something that serves a specific purpose. So when you put those things together, creativity and innovation, now all of a sudden, sudden you're not just, uh, you know, Steve Jobs says, make a dent in the world. You're defining the dent before you make it. Hmm. And you're doing it on purpose. There's that movement with intention. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, I'm wondering too, like, because of all the things that you're talking about, you said yourself, you know, so much of it is like future oriented, right? It's pushing to the next thing. It's it's creating something that that's not in existence. The innovation, um, that's that's all that stuff is forward looking. Do you have a sense of like, is is it hard even for you personally to be in the moment? Um, or celebrate the things that have happened? Because I know a lot of times, like myself included, when I get too caught up in that, what's next, what's next, I can't stay in the now. And I miss what's happening right before me sometimes. So I'm wondering, do you have any insights on that or or experience around that? 
Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to like, uh, my, my saying for my particular, I've, I've got a, um, a podcast called living life juicy and the, I can't get in focus here, but the, uh, the catchphrase is be present and kind as you do great things. And what I found in this, I honestly, I, I when it comes to planning, I'm not a natural planner. And the reason why I've gotten into this is because I wasn't a natural planner. And I used to think of anything, anything that was planning oriented or writing things out was a jail. Mm -hmm. And I know for a lot of creatives uh, that it's like, oh, don't confine my creativity by making a plan. I want to let it flow. I want to see what emerges. And as I started doing, um, like I ran a nonprofit uh, youth program when I was in college. And I was all about that. It's like, let's be spontaneous. Let's be in the moment. Let's be present with the students and all that kind of stuff. But I found as I planned beforehand, and I knew that I had all the all the details taken care of, because when you step in without a plan, you're constantly trying to like uh, build a plane as it flies. Mm -hmm. And you can't be present because you're always thinking, oh, I hope this doesn't crash. I hope this doesn't crash. When I started planning, I found freedom because all the details were taken care of. And I could truly be more present because I knew that was taken care of. Now, if there was some sort of really wild thing that happened before, I'd be so task oriented that I wouldn't be able to address some major things that were happening. Whereas if I had had the plans, I'd made my decisions and direction uh, before I was in the moment. All that was taken care of and I could relax. I could be there. I could be present. I could be more present with my staff and, and, the, and the students than if I was just winging it. And I love winging it. Uh, that's a lot of fun. But there's freedom in planning. And there's, uh, in creativity, there's there's massive motivation to be even more creative in constraints. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had that discussion before. You ever hear of uh, uh, Keith Jarrett? Uh, he's a jazz, improv jazz from the 70s. Ever hear of the story about the Colton concert at all? No. Okay, so this is... I totally ripped off from a bunch of other people, but it really speaks to me. Um, Keith Jarrett was traveling around doing concerts in, in Europe in the mid seventies. And he was a jazz improv pianist. And he committed to do this concert in Cologne. When he got there, he found it was like, I think a 17 year old promoter. And he made these requests for pianos and setups. And the piano was just the wrong style. It was small. It wasn't a concert piano. It was totally out of tune and could never get in tune in time. And he was going to walk out and she just went out and begged him, please, please, please. I've got all these people coming and can you just do something? And he kind of says, all right, well, we're going to record this just to show you how bad it can be. So he gets in there and he realizes that it's not loud enough. So he really has to bang on it. And there's certain uh, keys that wouldn't play at all or that were out of tune. So he messed with it for a little bit. Then he started playing and doing, he had to, he had to get outside of his normal improv uh, routine or formula. And he created all these new things. If you get a chance, listen to the Cold Concert because it became the number one uh, uh, jazz improv recording of all time. Hmm. Because he had these constraints that he had to move within and it forced him into a whole new state of mind. And now I don't think that creating a plan is going to force you into a whole new state of mind, but it does help you be more creative in the moment because you've got a lot of the details taken care of.
Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, and I found that from my experience when I was working with, in some really large advertising agencies or, or other design agencies, you know, the thing that would come in from, you know, would be the, the creative brief, right? And the creative brief is defining, okay, here's the problem we're trying to solve. Here are the details. Um, and then within that container, we need to exercise our creativity. And so it gave you some parameters to know what you were dealing with, what the project looked like. Um, and then you were then turned loose to dream up and, and figure some things out. And I think that's really helpful because sometimes, you know, people think the ultimate goal is just total creative freedom or total freedom at all, you know, in, in everything. But unless you have some kind of, um, you know, parameters or guidance in that, that can even be very um, just daunting. You know, I mean, people are paralyzed by, there are so many options. There are too many things to do. I don't know what direction to even go in. And so to have that pre-conversation, that thought and that planning, like you said, a lot of times that can make all the difference. Plus, like you said, it can push you in directions that maybe you wouldn't necessarily go because we all fall into those ruts, even creatively we have our go-tos and to have something that pushes against that, that makes us think and makes us wrestle with some things to find solutions that we wouldn't normally get to is actually very, very beneficial and can unlock some things even for us, not only the project that uh, we would never get to otherwise. Yeah. Did you find that like when you were doing your, are, are you still on your streak of creating every day? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I, and that, that constraint of I have to do something today, what kind of how did that constraint move you forward in your creativity? I mean, I'm curious about yeah. that because I think that is a constraint. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in the beginning, it was me coming out of depression and me having a, a sense of I just need to do this because it's going to bring me joy. Hopefully it was asking the question, can I come back to my art after being away for 10 years and, you know, and suffering from depression? So <clears throat> the bar was really low, but the parameters I gave myself was yes, show up every day and do something. Cause I'm on this 365 day art making journey at the time. That's what I was looking at. And I thought to myself, even that is too big. Like I can't wrap my head around, show up every day and do something like when you haven't done anything for 10 years. So I had to break that down into smaller chunks and go like, okay, can I think about the next seven days or 14 days or 30 days? And so that was kind of the, the, the planning and the parameters I gave myself. And then within that, it was, okay, what do I want to do? What do I want this to look like? And there was a lot of me trying to figure that out. So I didn't want to be real strict on, you know, it has to be only watercolors or it has to be only drawing or whatever. Um, but I did give myself, it wouldn't be digital because at the time I really wanted to separate, this is a personal journey I'm going on and digital and, and anything, um, you know, drawing on, on an iPad or anything was work related, right? <laughs> that was in my mind. So right. I had to make that distinction for myself. And so, I, you know, funny enough that years later, I end up swinging back. And now I'd say like 90%, 95% what I do is digital. Um, and I've kind of, you know, worked that out, but I needed to give myself those things so that I knew enough. It was like giving myself a creative brief. It was giving myself that, that project container. And then within that, I had the freedom to go thematically, what do I want to do? Or what do I want to try? What do I want to say? I don't know. There's self-discovery that's happening in the process here. And that was really important for me to, 
give myself that area to do that. But self-discovery can't happen if it was too wide and too open um, because it wouldn't allow me to be able to know when I was going to show up, to have some semblance of what I was going to do and some momentum that was going to actually kick in over time. Yeah, so when I hear when you're talking about that, you, you said the bar was very low. I would say the bar was very low artistically, but that wasn't the yes. point. The bar right. was very high when it came to creating every day. And the point wasn't to just create every day. It sounded to me your purpose was self-discovery. Yes. And, I didn't and know it jumping, at the time, but yes. Yeah. Right. But jumping, but jump starting something. Mm-hmm. And that's a really high bar, as you said. And that's why in my in my phrasing, my purpose is next best step. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have to do the whole thing. You need to have a direction to go. That's what the purpose and mission is. That's just your North Star. That's just your final destination. Once you know your final destination of where you want to go, now it's just figuring out what's next. Yeah. There's a story about telephone numbers. <laughs> the reason why our telephone numbers are chunked the way they are, three or four things, that's about all the steps that your brain can hold. They did research <laughs> before they started making telephone numbers. They said, we can only handle three or four things at a time. And so if you start making a plan that that has more than more of those details, you can you can write those out there, but you can't remember those and you can't focus on those. So when you when you started saying, you know what, it's one day at a time, you know, another phrase for one day at a time is new every morning. Mm -hmm. Everything's new. So you wake up and you do it. And if you think three or four days in a row, a week, maybe that's something that is doable and you'll find more success then, you know, yeah, you make 30, 60, 90 day plans, one year, five year, all those kinds of plans, but you live them one day at a time. Yes. And if you're not open to, and this is something I think most strategic planning fails when you don't learn from what's not working hmm. and you just go, I made a plan. I got to stick to the plan. got to go with the plan. But it's like you're, you're ran into a wall. There's not a path there. And you just keep on walking that same thing because I made the plan as opposed for, to learning from your experience and you walk and you realize this is working, this is not, let's change the stuff that's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. having that kind of this insight into your planning that says, this plan is meant to be changed once I discover things. Yes, yes. And you know, that's, that was exactly my experience too. Because as I continue to engage with my art and it took form and I figured out, okay, I don't like this, I do like this. Um, what, what comes next? How do I build on this? It was, it was changing the shape of it. And then even like, I got to a point where it was less about my self-discovery and kind of like the hobby end or personal passion projects end. And it flipped back into me professionally and saying, this is feeding me professionally and what I'm doing and how I'm showing up and making connections and giving me opportunities. And then even like at the 10 year mark, this, this, April will be 11 years where I'm going, but the 10 year mark, I said to myself, I feel like I need to change the parameters again, because I'm allowing for a daily creative habit to look like things other than visual art, because I really enjoy writing and I really enjoy some other things that would fall into creativity. And so I I loosened my grip on, it has to look like a piece of visual art that happened in a day and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I appreciate- but you wouldn't have been able to do that when you started. Right, exactly. You you couldn't have that kind of freedom. And now that you've worked it, you're realizing that, and and this is, I know that you and I both have a a friend named Craig McNair Wilson, who really focuses on creativity is far more than we think. Absolutely. And it's not just the arts, fine arts and things like that. 
but it's it goes into like what you're talking about is writing and other other forms for me like i've dabbled in watercolors and drawing and things like that and i'm extremely average at all those things and that's okay but my palette is programming my palette mm -hmm. is figuring things out and that's my art and creativity is revealed when somebody asks me what i call you know there's there's two things that get you out from being stuck and i love Paul Simon defines being stuck. He said this on Dick Cavett back in the early 70s. Dick Cavett says, you know, what is it like when you're stuck? And he says, well, I'm stuck when every road I goes down, every road I go down leads me to where I don't want to be. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that, and this is Paul Simon's things, he never really stayed stuck because he knew he had the the ability or the creative power to either uh, FSU, FSO, figuring stuff out, or MSU, make stuff up. And those those two things are the power to get unstuck in any situation. And that that idea of of being able, that's kind of my palette. My tools, my brushes are figuring stuff out and making stuff up. And I can do it for myself. And I, I when I come alongside, ultimately, that's what I do in my advising, coaching, consulting, thought partnerships with people is together, we figure stuff out and make stuff up based on yeah. clarity of where you want to end up. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And, you know, as you're talking about programming and, and creating things that, that are helping other people, one of the things I want to make sure we talk about now is, is your book and it's the Pottery Panda. Um, yeah. Can you, can you talk about like, who did you write this book for and, and why? Yeah. And it's, I tell you, it comes from a failure. It started. So I, I do workshops on all kinds of different things, usually related to uh, personal and professional development. And so I was doing uh, a workshop. I was tweaking an old program and trying something new with it on strategic planning. And I invited, I've got this, these groups called uh, uh, guided practice groups where we all bring our stuff, work on it, give feedback. I had a bunch of my guided practice people on this first uh, version of the workshop. I laid out there and I said, I'm going to tell a story about strategic planning. And all I did was I just did the planning. I just did this, the sequence of planning. And afterwards, they stayed on the line with me and gave me feedback. Awesome. This is just what we do is we give feedback on stuff that we're working on. And somebody said, you know, John, you didn't really tell a story. Um, you, you know that talking about strategic planning can be really boring unless you're in the middle of it and working on it. And it was really boring. <laughs> um, and that's the feedback is awesome feedback. And they said, you should think about it. And they just started throwing things out there. And somebody said, you know, um, the stories that you, the, that are like business parables or business fables like fish or uh, who moved my cheese and that kind of stuff. You should try something like that. And in that conversation, it just popped in. I, I've lived in the mountains for a while doing camps and things like that. So I, I interact with raccoons quite a bit. And the, the concept of a trash panda, I don't know why it came in, but raccoons are called trash pandas. And I got this idea about what if this raccoon will be my, my main character and I just, okay, so he doesn't want to be a trash panda anymore. He wants to be a, a pottery panda. And he loves pottery, and that's what he does. Um, and then it came a alliteration, Peter the Pottery Panda. And one of my colleagues says, you need to go see if you can get that URL. Yeah. So right away, I got Peter the Pottery Panda, and I've got potterypanda.com um, before I had anything else. But we started moving this around, and it turned into a great way to communicate something that usually isn't very interesting to people, especially entrepreneurs, small business people. And that's who I targeted at. 
So I worked in a lot of larger organizations where I was either a part of or led strategic planning, but they have whole departments and whole groups of people that are dedicated to that. Entrepreneurs, small business startups don't have that. They don't have the, either they don't have the, the, the headcount or they don't have the competency or they don't have the desire to do that. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to create a easily accessible approach to strategic planning that people who don't usually have the, the time, resources, or interest in doing. So I created the Pottery Panda and I use a, a technique, what I call the simple book approach. And it's short. It's it's mm-hmm. going to end up, it comes out in April and it's going to end up being like 60, 70 pages in, in book format. But at the end of every chapter, you, you follow Peter along and he's doing all these exercises and doing these things to create a strategic plan. Then the chapter, there's a QR code and a link that'll take you to a list of all the activities that he did in a online. And then you click on those and it'll take you to the instructions on how to do that activity. And if you keep on clicking, it'll take you to an interactive PDF workbook. So if you wanted to just like do the process on your own, you click at the end and you just follow that workbook. And now what I recommend is enjoy the story first. And if it resonates, then go back and try these things out. But it, the idea is that you go short but deep rather mm-hmm. than a 250 book uh, page book that goes through all this kind of stuff. And I, what I found is that executives and leaders and entrepreneurs, they say they love to read, but they only love to read the stuff that they want to read. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it gets, you know, they read much of their reading is, oh, this is really interesting. And then blah, 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 blah. Oh, this one's really interesting too. This allows you to choose your own adventure in the book. And I have a whole series of, of things that I'm putting into, like I have a, a four page book called a, a simple book on personal development. And all of this is four pages and there's open uh, things that you can fill out, but there's links that you click that take you deeper and deeper, usually two or three levels in. So a four page book is actually about 50 or 60 pages. Hmm. Um, I've also got one that, that is, is based on a lot of stuff that we have in common called practical creativity. And it's the idea of what are the habits of of highly practical people and what are the habits of highly creative people because we tend to fall on either one side or the other. And you've got the practical people that can make stuff work and happen, but they can't have an original idea to save them. Then you have the creative people who are just mounds and mounds of ideas, but they can't land a plane on anything. Mm -hmm. So it's what are the habits that you can bring those things together? Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of giving that kind of glimpse through the story and then the deeper dive with the practical steps because it's the story that is opening the door and wetting the appetite and then people go oh i see myself in that now what do i do with that and then you go well glad you asked and you provide them with the actual steps that are helping them take action and um you know the i don't want to give too much away here but but in the story your your character peter he's wrestling with this sense of i want to do something different with my life um and i love that it happens to be you know pottery uh you know <laughs> just within the for all the artists who are listening um it's a very uh applicable and, and relatable thing i think where somebody's like i'm doing something here i'm not feeling fulfilled i really feel like the thing i need to do is over here how do i get there what do i do making that transition all the steps involved, like all that stuff. Um, and I love how you've you've captured that in the story. 
Yeah, it's a couple of things. One, like I've had a couple of people, early readers, people who gave me feedback on it said, I see myself as a raccoon. And that's <laughs> absurd, but wonderful. Uh, and that's the the power of story is really interesting because I it, it's more than just storytelling around a campfire. And that's mm-hmm. where I learned storytelling. And storytelling as entertainment is fabulous. But storytelling can do so much more. I, I was involved in creating a... Um, emotional intelligence and communication workshop, three-day workshop for executives that was held at the Reagan Library. It was, it was a very special, magical program that was put together. But a big piece of that was understanding the depth of storytelling. And um, storytelling, what a good story does, it helps you picture something in your brain. And our brains are 50 to 75% of our brain is dedicated to uh, processing visuals. And, you know, as opposed to like, like seven or 8% is around language or auditory or things like that. So primarily we are visual processors. So if you can create a story that gets people to picture it in their brain, you have direct access to what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was trying to do is help people create a picture of watching this raccoon at a pottery wheel, which is absurd, but you can picture it. You can see it. Mm -hmm. I I do some little fun things around uh, their, their, nimble fingers and things like that and it it creates a connection that's deeper than analytics and we we would talk about how um analytics data will convince but story and picture and emotions move people to action Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so important i think as a visual artist what you're doing is you have direct access to people's visual processing modes in their brain so you can help them feel directly and move them to something as long as you're intentional about it. And that's what I'm trying to do with the story is how, connect with people in a way that's more, I could, I could put all the, all the data out there about why, if you know, planning to, if uh, failing a plan is planning to fail, um, failing to execute on your plan is wasting time on your way to failure. And I could put all that data out there, but it's, it doesn't matter. If, if you're, there's a lot of people go, yeah, but I don't like to plan. So tough luck. Mm-hmm. But if they can see Peter succeed in planning, then maybe they'll take a stab. Yeah. Yeah. I think so much of that is tied back to when you were talking earlier about experience and how you even help create experiences for people so that it, it gives them context for the things that they should be learning and the next steps they need to be taking. And I think, you know, maybe maybe I, I'm, I'm a little more skewed that way than most most people, but I would think that many people they're just like i need to know why this is important to me now here in my context today like it's great to have all this information but if i'm not doing anything with it then so what right i mean i especially the way i figured out that i learn best is i need when i need to know something i'll throw myself into it and figure it out and i'll go okay who, who's done this before what are the models i can look at where are the resources that i can grab and then start tinkering and start figuring things out and going, okay, I need to contextualize this to my situation and and my needs. Um, but at least it gives me the process of getting in there and making information and making all these resources practical in the moment so that it gets me to where I need to get to. Right. Yeah. And I mean, experience, we all have experience. Everything is an experience. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, so I don't create experiences. I design experiences that people can find meaning in. T.S. Eliot said, we have the experience, but we miss the meaning. And what a shame. 
And a big piece of it is that, that can I design an experience that facilitates growth? So be very intentional about this experience I'm designing. And that could look like a, a Pottery Panda book, or it can look like a conversation where we're exploring what success is for you, or it could be a workshop that is not information transfer, but it's a designed experience to help you take your next best step. And that idea of, it's, uh, you know, the idea that we don't learn from experience, we learn from reflection on experience. We need to create that space. And sometimes reflection looks like passive. It looks like you're just sitting there and that's okay. Sometimes reflection looks like somebody who's not an artist drawing things. Respond to this on paper with pencil. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it looks like writing sometimes, but you need to create that space. And I've, I've done a lot of, I, I used to work in, in camping and creating retreats and conferences and things like that. I did, like I said, I just got back from uh, doing a, the, the hybrid and virtual aspects of an amazing conference. Most conferences try and pack everything in because content is king. And they think the value is going to come from how much content you can like shove down their throat, like a fire hose. Mm-hmm. But really nowadays you can get any content you want on YouTube, whatever it is, but you can find all the content. The conference is all about relationships. They, they, they might come for the content. They come back for the connection and they keep coming for the community. Mm-hmm. So as a, a, a planner, or somebody who's putting together a conference, focus on creating that space for reflection and conversation where they'll connect with others. And then they'll create this really cool community. I know that, you know, Terry's done that really well with the thing. He's created a very, very strong community of people that will continue to come back year after year uh, and do amazing things like go to Jamaica or go on a cruise, that kind of stuff. Because he focused on he he focuses on some on content, but mostly it's on connection and community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, you're talking about the cramming as much content as possible. It also made me think in design terms of how so many times people want to cram as much information and visuals on a page. And it's like, no, no, white space, blank space is actually your friend in design because you need a place for your eye to rest and to absorb and to to just kind of be there uh, and not feel like you're assaulted at every turn. <laughs> so yeah, it, I appreciate I, I'm, I'm totally like, when I put together an hour long workshop, the first draft of it is usually three hours long. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to get it down to one hour's worth of content. And then I've got to get it down to about of every hour. I want at least half of that time being reflection and interaction and not me talking. Yeah. So one of the things is I love to talk. And when I'm excited about a topic, I can talk and talk and talk. So just recently, I did a workshop on upping your virtual uh, presence, presentation game. And instead of me presenting the, the input, I created like, three minute videos, explainer videos of the content. So instead of me taking 10 or 15 minutes explaining it, I did it in short three minute things. And I said, let's talk about it. And it allowed me to get that, what the content I wanted to get across, but more importantly, it created space for the participants to process that content Mm -hmm. and make it their own. Otherwise it's just me. It's a pitcher and cup approach where I, I make the arrogant assumption that I have the picture of answers and I'm, graciously pouring it into your cup and what a crock that is mm-hmm. i might have some insights but unless it interacts with yours that's when it that's when the content and the experience 
explodes because of the interaction of what I bring to the table and then what the participants bring. And it and it improves it exponentially because of that interaction, that discussion, and the aha moments that come from people sharing their reflection on the experience. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And it becomes more theirs than just yours. Uh, and, and it becomes bigger than itself. It's like it, it's like creating it and releasing it and it goes out and, and it finds its own life, you know? Um, yeah, that's tremendous. Uh, so I, I wanna ask you- I would like, imagine that like, that's happened. Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, I imagine that's happened with your art, especially like when you do your conference drawings and stuff like that, mm -hmm. your your daily creativity and all that kind of stuff has inspired people to take it in a whole new di directions. And yeah. how exciting is it when you see, we hear or see somebody's art that was inspired by daily creativity. That's yes. just, it's gotta just, just be so exciting for you. Yes, and that's one of the reasons why I love so much in coming alongside people and helping them unlock their creativity because it's about them. It's about the things that they need to make and want to make and put out into the world. Uh, my story, my journey, my process that I'm sharing and coming alongside people with is my experience, like we talked about, but it's it's the way in which I can help people understand some things for themselves. And then they get turned loose to create what it is that they desire to create and what they need to put out there to help other people. So it's the ripple effect, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and that's the hope. I mean, the people who are listening to us right now and you're out there and you're thinking, uh, what's this, you know, crazy bald headed guy and artists who both have <laughs> goatees. Um, how can you take what we're talking about in really different realms and run with it? Maybe you're an artist who needs to do some, create your own constraints and do some planning, or maybe you're an entrepreneur who needs to explore how to release your graphic artists even though you're never going to use that graphic artist, it'll reveal new things. Man, wouldn't it be cool if if everybody, you know, all of us here, you know, you and I and the people listening, what if this creates some momentum or people break through some barriers and do amazing new things? Absolutely. Yeah. The way that I've been talking about it in a phrase is when you create, we all win. Because everyone needs to show up and create those things that only they can create. People are waiting for those things. And it's not all about me. It's not all about you, but it's about the person who is listening right now going, I need to prioritize for my creativity because that thing, it's burning inside of me. I need to get it out or I keep ignoring it or there's something yet that I haven't stepped into that is going to be tremendously helpful for me and the people around me. Um, that's the stuff that that I get excited about, you know? If, if you are, a, like I, my guess is there's a lot of, really creative people who are drawn to this podcast. Mm -hmm. And if you're out there and you are a very creative person, you're getting turned on by our creative talk. Well, guess what? You might need to play with some of the practicality pieces, the planning, the, the things that you see as boring or, or just plotting through. Guess what? That can unlock how your creativity impacts the world. And then there might be some people that are drawn to this who are incredibly practical and you need to realize that, man, you have it in you. Every one of us is both practical and creative. You just need to exercise the habits to make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we're at the top of our time, believe it or not, already. But I want to make sure people know where they can go to find you, all the things you're doing, and, of course, about the book. So can you lay some links on us or some places? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the easiest one, PotteryPanda.com will take you to a page that we're doing a, a, a fundraiser to help cover the cost of the release and the production. 
and we will release the book in April. And if you want to support the Pottery Panda, uh, he's coming, just so you know. <laughs> and we're going to do something interesting in that, you know, for below cover price, $15, you can get a copy of the book. And then at $25, you can get a signed copy. And my wife is brilliant on cricket, so she's making bookmarks. For $50, we're doing a kind of a, a hardcover release. And and there's not, we're not going to sell hardcover editions. This is the only way you can get it is through this. You get a signed hardcover with the really cool uh, Pottery Panda bookmark. $100. Uh, and if you get into the store, you'll find out why this is significant. You get a mug, a hard cup, a signed hard copy, all the other stuff. But in the story, um, Peter starts off making all kinds of pottery. And then he realizes it's too much. Like how many of us entrepreneurially start off with just taking too big a bite? So he backs off and just makes... He stops making mugs and vases and just makes finger bowls for raccoons. So you can get one of Peter the Pottery Panda's mugs that he stopped making early on. So nice. that's those are kind of the, the price points on there. And that's potterypanda.com. You can find me at Bear Losey on Facebook and John Losey at uh in um LinkedIn. And then uh intowisdomgroup.com is the website where you can see all the crazy stuff that's happening on the three areas that I that I focus on with uh, advising, facilitating, learning, and production. So those are some ways to get to me. Awesome. Awesome. And hey, I'm pushing for the top tier uh, giver, which would be uh, including a actual raccoon that you get with the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would love to do that. But having lived with raccoons up in the mountains, they're they're not pleasant creatures, just so you know. They look really cute as babies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's all kinds. I've got for another time we can talk about stories of raccoons in the mountains. <laughs> well, to be continued for sure. <laughs> well, thanks so much for spending this time with me today, John. It was really great uh, getting to talk about you, the book, and uh, creativity and practicality. Yeah, and I appreciate you having me on. And it's wonderful chatting with somebody who's uh, living out what he says he's about. So thank you. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.